Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to I See You. This is episode 21. They said I was a freak. Happy New Year, everybody. I've been sitting here waiting for the planes to stop that are flying overhead. I think I've said before, I live really close to Hill Air Force Base. And I swear they do their flying practice whenever I record. Like they just wait and then they do it. At least I like to think I'm that important that they know when I record, right? As most of you know, I took a break during the holidays. We took a two week break from the podcast and I just took a break to refresh and ended up being a really great thing. And I appreciate listeners being super supportive of it actually. Well, they were supportive until a couple days ago and then I started getting the messages saying, okay, but seriously, isn't it time for your next episode yet? I've been waiting, which honestly was pretty flattering. And I was okay with them kind of bugging me. And it's actually been really hard just not to record. I keep like going to do it during the holidays. Like, oh, I have this idea, I'm gonna do this. And I have to just write it in my notebook and and leave it be because I know that I've needed this time to rest and to take a break. Especially because I'm gonna share a personal story with you guys. I try really hard to take care of myself because I know that I'm very susceptible to anxiety and depression. And so with that, I use self-care a lot and I make sure I get enough sleep. I make sure I'm eating right. I exercise. I meditate when I need to. I make sure I'm in my scriptures, my religious reading and prayer and all of those things are really beneficial tools for me to just stay in a good headspace. And I also have learned to say no to things when I'm feeling like I'm getting overwhelmed. I I really learned to simplify my life and to not take on too much because I found that when I do that, when I use that self-care, that I'm a much more unstoppable force for good. I'm better in the podcast. I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. What is most important to me is my family over anything else and being able to show up for them because I've been in dark places before where I felt not capable of taking care of my children because things got so bad. And so it's, it's a big responsibility that I have to myself to make sure I take care of myself so that I can just be a fabulous mom and a fabulous wife and, and good at what I do here on the podcast. But I will say that those old voices still get in my head where I feel like saying no to things is selfish and taking care of myself is selfish. I talked about that quite a bit on episode seven, the self-compassion episode. Anyways, I found myself kind of getting to this place just recently before the holidays where I started saying maybe yes a little too much when I knew that I needed to slow down. I started not sleeping as much. Um, I was not as careful about what I was eating. I wasn't exercising uh, in the way that I normally do. And of course, none of us are always 100% perfect about those things, but I was kind of letting everything slip and putting a lot of stress on myself as I I took a break, which was so good. And I I found myself kind of waist deep in the hole, to be honest, just a couple weeks ago where crying a lot and and needing to process things with my husband a lot and just feeling like, wow, I'm still, I'm still susceptible to this hole. It's so easy. I think when you start feeling better from, from mental things like this to, to think that, you know, that could never happen to me again. I mean, I'm on a podcast where I talk about these things so much and I I know about self-care and I've done years and years of therapy and I know how to take care of myself and I could give anyone else that advice. But I've realized that when I stopped 
taking care of myself that I am still susceptible to those things. And that's an important lesson that I've needed to learn over and over again because I rededicate myself to, no, self-care really is the way to being able to help other people is by taking care of myself first. And so these this two weeks was so good for me to just really focus on my family, focus on myself, which the old me would have said sounds sounds like a not good thing, like a selfish thing. But being selfish just means you're looking out for yourself. You're taking care of yourself. We always put a negative connotation with that. Being selfish in the way that I think of it and in, in putting my needs first so that I can help other people is actually a really brave choice. And so I'm grateful that you as listeners were so supportive of me um, in taking that time these last two weeks to just take care of myself. And if you weren't supportive of me, don't feel guilty. <laughs> That's okay too. Anyways, so with that, I wanted to share some of my New Year's mantras with you. So we all try and make New Year's goals, at least most of us. And I think it's really easy to make goals, uh, rigid goals. I'm going to exercise this many times a week for this many minutes. And I'm going to read this many books. And I'm going to do all these things this many times. And I think it's easy for us to do really well for a little bit, or maybe not as the case may be, and then we mess up. And then it's really easy to feel like, ah, I messed up, I ruined the whole year, right? To get in that black and white thinking. And I find myself doing that as well. So this year I tried to be really careful, especially having found myself a little bit, a little bit in the hole again. I made sure this year that I wanna have New Year's mantras, uh, which are kind of like my goals. And this isn't bad mouthing rigid New Year's goals. If that works for you, go for it. For me, I found it more helpful to to try and make kind of more lifestyle changes for myself. Two of my most important goals are I want to read more because I feel like reading feeds a part of my soul that nothing else does. But it's also one of those habits that's easiest to give up, right? Especially when I am feeling like there's so many things I want to do, it's easy to give up reading because it doesn't feel like something I have to do. But I find that when I make time for reading more, even if it's just a little bit every day, that I feel more at peace, I feel more calm. Um, I could even say it's maybe a type of meditation for me and I'm a deep thinker and I like to read. So I'm trying to read the classics this year, some of the classics and I'm trying to, I'm so good at reading self-help books, but I'm trying really hard to read fun books too because I need fun books. I need light stuff. I love that uh, to balance out my life a little bit better. So right now I'm reading The Scarlet Pimpernel, if anyone's read that. Anyways, it's hard for me to understand. I'm not an English major, you guys. I did major in elementary education, and that was hard in its own stuff, uh, learning all the theories of how children learn and develop and things. But we didn't read The Scarlet Pimpernel, to be honest. So this is what happens when Julie takes a break for two weeks. She has a lot to say, and then her episodes don't stay between 25 and 30 minutes like I usually try to. But um, hopefully this will be helpful to you. So I'm going to read more and then also just self-care. I'm focusing on self-care this year. And that that is the reason why I take care of my body, why I try and eat right, why I exercise. It is not to try and fit a certain size. It's not to try and fit a certain mold that my society tells me I need to look like and to be like. It is because I want a healthy heart so that I can chase my kids and that I honestly feel better when I eat better. And part of self-care also is that I like to have treats every once in a while and that's great too. So that's what's working for me right now. We'll see where I'm at next year and what's working for me then, but I'm excited to read more and to have more self-care. 
The review for this week was actually left on December 16th and it's from Holy Scow is the name. And I love it because actually this reviewer originally sent me a Facebook message and went into more depth into these thoughts and I loved reading all of them and it's something that I keep saved because it's really motivating to me to continue with the podcast and, and continue just doing what I have felt so much in my heart. I asked her, I was like, would you share some of this as a review just because it, it touched me so much. So I want to thank you, Holy Scow. I know you your real name, but I'm going to call you Holy Scow on here because that's a super cool name. Thank you for doing that. It means a lot to me. So she wrote on iTunes. I also want to say that the reason I didn't start listening to December 7th, 7th episode until today, December 15th, is because I've come to rely on the comfort your podcast gives. It is a security to always have at least one episode I haven't listened to yet. Just in case a hard day comes during the week, I will have something that can lift me up again and give me new strength to tackle the wonderful challenges life brings. She left five stars. And I forgot to mention the subject for that was comfort. Holy scow, I can't thank you enough. And it actually made me think about how I do go back and listen to certain episodes on the podcast that I need reminders of. I have gone back and listened to my self-compassion one while soaking in the tub with a bath bomb and just being like, Julie, you gotta, you gotta practice what you, what you preach. You gotta do this. You gotta self-care for yourself. And so I know what you mean where you just need that lift. And I consider that a great honor that you save one of my podcast episodes for you for when you're having a hard day. That is one of the best compliments I think I've ever received. So thank you. Holy scow. If you want to help support the podcast, there are now three ways you can. So on that website, you can click on support the podcast. There's a black donate button. So I actually wasn't thinking of doing this, but I had several people contact me and say, hey, I'd just love to donate some money directly to the cost of the website, which is about $500. And I don't even care to buy product necessarily. I just would really like to donate straight money. And so I created a donate button. So if you'd like to do that on the website, www.icupodcast.com, you can click on support the podcast or support the message and click on that black button, the donate button. And on there, it will have $5 and then there's a quantity amount. So it's by increments of $5. And so if you want to donate more than $5, you just up the quantity. So if you want to donate $15, you'd up it to three because three times five is 15. Hopefully that makes sense. Also on there, we have the ICU apparel. Some of you have seen me show my cute shirt and my husband's cute shirt that we ordered online on Facebook or on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook at just it's Julie Lee. I don't know how easy I am to find. Or on Instagram at ICU Podcast. Remember, you get free shipping on any apparel you order. I think it's super cute. I'm excited to get all this stuff. Also, you can order Mary Kay because I used to be a Mary Kay consultant and now I don't have time to do that, but I still love ordering the products. I, for myself, I still use all the makeup and the face wash and I love that. To make it a little bit more financially even better for you, I do give 25% off when you order it through my website. And for it to go towards the cost of the podcast, you do have to order it on my website. Once again, it's just under the support the podcast where you find the donate button, you find the apparel, and you find the link that takes you to my Mary Kay website where you can order things. And at checkout, there is it takes off 25% off. You could also on the website watch my cheesy video I did make over the holidays. I took a break, but I did make a little video where I explain about the apparel and the Mary Kay, how that kind of works. And you can see my crazy hair. Anyways, I don't explain about the donate button on that video just because I hadn't put that up yet, but you'll know that that is there as well. So thanks for all the support, you guys. I love you and we're hoping we can make this a self-sustaining thing so that it's not a financial burden on our family.
So I just want to jump into this interview with Lee Jensen, and he is a friend of ours who has hearing loss. His wife, Sarah, has been a running buddy of mine for several months now. She's so tough, man. She's like 20 weeks pregnant and she kicks my butt. And now I'm finally being able to keep up with her a little bit because she's 20 weeks pregnant and I'm not pregnant. And so we're kind of getting to each other's level now, but she still can kick my trash. We did a weights workout the other day and she was, you know, lifting way more than me. And that's just how she rolls. She's a tough chick. The funny story about Lee, my husband and I, we both lived in the same apartment complex when we met at BYU and we got married the following summer. Well, a couple of years later, we wanted to go back to the apartment complex to visit some friends. And we went into our guy friend's apartment and we hung out with them for just a little bit and talked to them. And they had a cool roommate there and he had his girlfriend there who just seemed really nice. Well, Lee and Sarah move into our neighborhood six or so years later and Lee sees us and says to us, I know you, you came to my apartment forever ago. We were like, what? Well, they were the friend and the girlfriend there. And all of a sudden, I feel like I had this flashback memory come and I remember seeing Lee because I remember noticing that he had hearing aids. Lee is a stud and we are so lucky to have him talk about his story growing up with hearing loss and all the challenges that that has brought. So here is Lee Jensen. We are here with Lee Jensen and he's gonna give us a really cool perspective. Lee, we know each other because we live in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You have a super cool wife. Welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Glad to be here. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Lee. Okay. So like you mentioned, I have a, a beautiful wife and two little kids with a third one on the way. Um, I come from a family with 10 children. I'm the eighth of 10. So at home, or I, I usually consider myself the forgotten child because <laughs> when you have 10 kids, you remember your oldest, your youngest, and your middle. But oh yeah, the eighth child is just kind of lost in the in the shuffle. Well, I felt that way as the sixth of seven. <laughs> so go. yeah, eighth of ten, you have claim on that for yeah. sure, for sure. But you know, I had a, a great childhood. I've been able to accomplish a lot of things I aspired for as a kid. Um, I'm a, a supply chain logistics professional. Been able to do all the schooling I've ever wanted to do in that particular arena. I work uh, for a medical device company, and uh, absolutely love it. Work from home and remote. The company's in Arizona and I live in Utah and it's happy to be incredibly blessed. Yeah. Well, and you're not terrible at basketball, if I remember correctly. I saw you and Rob play basketball together. I'm okay at basketball. I, I, I said I'm probably better at racquetball or ultimate frisbee. Yeah. Basketball, I can depend on the day. You got good long arms there though. And like <laughs> Rob would appreciate a little more longer arms, there I think. Okay, I wanted you to be on the podcast because I think that you would have good perspective on having a physical challenge. And maybe you can help us understand what we can better do to really see people with compassion and connection who have some sort of physical challenge or limitation that makes them have to work a little bit harder in certain ways in their life, maybe than we need to. Can you first tell us about your hearing loss? When did it start? What's kind of been your experience so okay. far with it? So I was actually born with hearing loss, and what it is essentially, it's kind of a little bit about the ear. Inside of your ear, you have an eardrum that vibrates and sound hits it, and the vibrations go into a shell-shaped structure, and inside of that, it's called the cochlea, and inside of that, you have little hairs, and they pick up the noise that the, uh, the eardrum bangs, and that's how your, your brain hears. Well, my ears are all stiff, so they don't move with the sound, and so I, I have trouble hearing. But basically, I have 100-year-old ears when I was a newborn baby. Wow. So um, I had them when I was just a, a few years old. I, I got my new hearing aids for the first time. Have they ever given you, like, a percentage of hearing loss that you have? So it's... They have. It's been a long time since I've been tested. 
but it's uh, mild, moderate, I want to say. Okay. What I think it is. So essentially, so growing up, <clears throat> I, I'm now in an age where I appreciate my hearing aids to a certain extent, but growing up as a child, you know, I had these big old glasses that took up half my face because <laughs> I'm also blind, and then, you know, ears that stuck out way too far because I had hearing aids in them. So, it, you know, for the first 15 years of my life, I was kind of a dork or a freak, and I didn't really have any friends outside of family just because... I wasn't, I couldn't hear. I also had to do some speech therapy as a child. I couldn't talk very well. Mm-hmm. So the combination of not being able to talk, having hearing aids and big old glasses, you just don't make very friends. So for the first many years of my life, I was pretty alone with the exception of family. Um, and it wasn't until I was older and people grew up and started to look past it that they would actually start establishing relationships and friendships and, and all the things that you would, you would hope for in life. As a kid, were you aware that you didn't have friends? Or were you aware, like, huh, I'm kind of different? Yeah, I was kind of struggled. Every time I'd go to school or, you know, go to church, I'd get made fun of. It just, and, and I, didn't, I didn't fit in. Yeah. It was, it was rough. I'm sorry, that's really hard. If this isn't okay to ask, we can edit this out. But I was just going to ask, you called yourself, you felt, do you felt like you were a freak? Is that what you said? Yeah. I'm, you kind of okay. felt like you were a freak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awful. That's so, we're so hard on ourselves, even as kids. Yep. I don't know if this is pertinent to ask about, but I know Sarah, when we went running once, she told me about an experience, um, a challenge you had with your hearing loss was that you actually got run over once. Yeah, so when I was a little kid, we were swimming, we were laying on the driveway, and keep cool, and because I couldn't hear the car, my mother backed up and ran me over. So I had never connected the two until just now, but yeah, it did happen. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I should note that at home, and when I was with family or cousins, I never felt out of place. Right. My family never made me, I, even to this day, I never feel like I have a hearing loss, especially when I'm with my family. That's awesome. So were there people in your life, uh, currently or before, that have showed you compassion or connected with you that have made it easier to deal with having a physical challenge like hearing loss? You know, the first person I think of showing compassion would be my mother. Obviously, having a child, I have two other brothers who also have hearing loss, so I know she, I wasn't the only one that she had to work with. But having a, a child that was pretty sensitive to teasing and bullying and all that, she had to work with me constantly and uh, tell me that you know, someday you're going to grow up and you're going to be bigger and you're going to, you know, your hearing ears aren't going to stick out as far and you're going to be successful and, you know, everything will be okay. You just have to get through this tough time. It's not going to be as important the older you get. And you may even look back and be grateful that you have hearing aids. So she, she was definitely there. She had a lot of compassion, uh, always. And never another thing, she never let me use them as a crutch. Mm. So I would, I was still expected to go to school. I didn't go to the the school for the hard of hearing or deaf. We tried that for a little while, it didn't work out. But she, I went. I expected to go to school to work hard, and I was held to the same standards as all my other siblings, in which. Uh, Seems a little harsh, but I, in retrospect, is incredibly compassionate that her expectation of me wasn't any less because I had a, dis, a disadvantage. Right. Well, she, and she didn't want to limit you. She right. knew your potential, and she didn't want you to feel limited in any way, right. which is really cool. Uh, the second one, obviously, is my wife. You know, we we have a there's a story that we we tell and we laugh about now. One time when we were, um, I think we were engaged at the time, and. I was talking about what a great catch I was. I was probably a little egocentric, you know. I had all these girls that were pursuing me, and I always 
I was always the one that said no and turned the girls away. <laughs> uh, that is something along those lines. And then uh, uh, Sarah, my wife, she said, when you do realize that tons of girls did not date you just because you have hearing aids. And it was like the first time I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, I mean, who wants to have deaf children? Or, you know, who, who wants to take that risk of potentially having to learn sign language? Oh, my gosh. And, and it, was, it was a really... It was a really good moment for me to realize, wow, I am kind of unusual. And she still loves me for it. And she still wants to, you know, date me and marry me and, and all that. And so that the compassion that she constantly shows in dealing with it mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is great. And, you know, the list, like, there's hundreds of people that have been there supporting me, you know, family or, or friends or college roommates or what have you not that have been very supportive cool and not to look past it well and that's pretty like the fact that you guys can joke about it i think shows the trust you have in your relationship mm-hmm. right that you can joke about these things i know you know different things my husband and i have little things that we can joke about that it's like man if we said this in public people would think we're being mean to each other right. but for us it's like just playful banter you know mm-hmm. so how do you feel like your experiences with hearing loss do you feel like they increase your empathy for other people who have challenges so that initially I, I thought, you know, maybe not, but I think they do. Just uh, oftentimes, you know, the first thing you see usually when you meet me for the first time is the hearing aids. And there's always this sense of, you know, when you're trying to get an interview or when you're dating girls or you're meeting someone for the first time, there's always this hesitancy of from the other person, is this guy going to hear me? Is he... Is he okay? There's always that barrier that you have to overcome. Just that initial... Something's different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something's different. And so that... uh, I I see it every time I meet someone. Just that initial, like, okay, yeah, I can hear you just fine. I'm a normal person. What is... Is there any way you can describe what does that look like? How you say you can see every time the first time you meet someone. Like, the first time I see you, what do I look like? Well, you know, there's a wide range. Some people... They, you can tell they want to ask about it, but they feel uncomfortable. Usually, over the course of a relationship, a friendship I have with someone, at some point, they feel like they have to ask me about it. You know, That's got to be so can annoying. Can you hear me? And, you know, I'm sure they, I've done this. I'm sure I did the same thing. I'm sure at some point, like, I'm just like, okay, we just got to get this on the table. Right. You have hearing aids. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, like, I just need to know, you know, right. like, and, what happened? Did you get an accident? What happened? Yeah. Do so you have that range all the way to... Uh, I think my favorite story is I was taking, ironically, my wife on a date. We went to, like, some trampoline jump house and went up to the counter to pay. And the, the guy noticed, and so he started yelling at me really loudly and using hand gestures. And <laughs> I, I was talking back to him, but it was he didn't grasp that I could hear him. So I'm like, oh, no, I can hear you, sir. How much is it? Did you say that? And I he can was hear still you, yelling at me and flapping his arms, like, you know, $5. And, and it was it was just one of those, you know, I'm on a date, and here's this guy yelling at me because he thinks I can't hear him. And so, you know, you have this range of um, perception, what happens first time you meet someone. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, totally. I can understand that. Especially when you're on a date with a girl, right? right. That you like who... Mm-hmm was in love with you. I've heard the story of her chasing you, in fact. (laughs) If there were someone listening, or maybe even you thinking of yourself as a younger kid when it was so hard, when you said you felt like a freak, when you felt like you were different, all of those things, which I'm sure other people can agree with. It's so hard to hear as a listener because 
I think a lot of us have had those feelings about ourselves for different things, whether it's physical or not, maybe it's mental or, or mistakes we've made. We've all been in that place or will be in that place, I think, where we've, where we've had that self-hatred or that self-doubt. What would you say to someone or what would you say to yourself as a young kid with your perspective now? What advice would you give? Oh, you know, you just have to kind of embrace your differences, embrace your freakishness, because that's really what makes you you. You think about where we're headed in the world, you know, with AI and even like, the other day I was watching uh, iRobot and they have all these robots that look exactly the same and they all act exactly the same. And you think about it, if we're all striving for this ideal to be just like all the other robots, we all want to be as thin as everyone else, we want to be as smart as everyone else, we want to be as looking and rich. But if we were all of that, then we, we would just be like everyone else. And so what makes us us are the uniquenesses, you know, the, the physical traits, the emotional traits, what makes us different. And so you have to embrace them and accept them as that's who you are. And once you do that, then you're, it empowers you to use that to either serve others, to show empathy, to do more with it instead of looking inwards. So just kind of a, a story that for me really solidified that idea. For one time, um, uh, when I, I lived in Indiana, there was, we were babe, babysitting for this family and there were these four boys and uh, they were, they didn't have a dad, so it was a mother raising them. And so they, it, it was kind of a interesting family that they had a lot of wearing down, they didn't have a lot of money. And this one time we were outside waiting for the bus to show up and there was this kid, he had glasses, his hair was messy, he had holes in his pants, he just kind of looked a little odd. You know, people kind of go through those funny looking years when they're right. younger. Right. And he was muttering under his breath like, oh, nobody likes me, I have no friends, I'm a loser, I hate school, you know, every day is torture. And, uh, and for a second I was like, oh, this, that totally was me at that age. I hated school, hated life, it was just, didn't want to be around anyone except for with my family. And uh, so I told him, I'm like, hey, you want to know something? I was just like you when I was your age. I didn't have any friends, I was made fun of, I was bullied. But I, my mom always told me that someday I'm gonna grow up and when I do, I'm gonna realize that all the people who were mean to me and bullied to me probably are not very happy. And the people who were nice to me are, have blessings and happiness that they were looking for. But you're still cool, even if you may not be cool right now. So anytime someone bullies you or teases you, you can just smile and just in the back of your head say, maybe not yet, but someday I will be. And I'm still cool because I have all the potential. And as I was talking to this kid about, you know, maybe people don't like you right now, but someday they will. And when you grow up. And uh, as I was talking to him, he's like, yeah, I'm cool. He's like, I'm gonna go. And he literally skipped to the bus and hopped on. I'm cool, I'm so cool. That's amazing. And uh, it was one of those like, that's what I wish someone had said to me. And that's something what my mother said to me often. Like, no, you just have to wait, you'll get older and you'll grow out of it. But, you know, our traits or the things that are hard for us, maybe we struggle, maybe we're missing a limb or maybe we're overweight or maybe we struggle with depression or whatever. It doesn't define us, we are, you know, if we embrace it and do what we can to fix it, 
But then you're still cool. Like, you don't have to call yourself a loser because you're not, even if someone else calls you that. In the back of your mind, you can have the assurance that even if you do look a little odd or you don't fit in, that's what makes you you. And if you accept that, then you're well on your way to finding the happiness you look for. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that makes me teary. It just makes me think about things. The message, I wish that similar message, I could have understood that at a young age mm-hmm. with the things that I struggled with or, or that for me in particular, I, um, which I know other people can relate to this, but I always, I always, um, I just worried a lot and I, I felt like things were my fault, different things. And, um, yeah, you wish, you just wish kids that age, you could just really help them see perspective of like, when you're an adult and you get to make your own decisions and you get to create your own life, all of this is going to be in the past. I mean, the, the good too, the good memories, but really like you have your whole life ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really powerful message you share. And even just like, you know, you think about, you know, how does God change the world? He doesn't change it by policies and, you know, all this. He sends babies. We send, you know, the George Washingtons or the Abraham Lincolns or the, you know, uh, Martin Luther. So, the, you know, all these people that change the world because God sent a baby. And that a newborn infant, all of us have all unlimited potential. You just can't see it. But we were all at one point wearing diapers, we all had blowouts, we all ate food with our fingers and had stuff all over our face. Maybe, you know, we we were kids and we, at a certain point, were kind of clueless, a little dumb, messy, dirty, sloppy, but you grow out of it. And it, you know, it just happens. No one stays that way forever. And it's the same with ourselves. And sometimes we hold on to those baby traits of, you know, I look ugly, I'm not as handsome, and I'm just going to hold on to that instead of letting yourself to grow out of it, so to speak, and just embrace it and go on with it and realize that you really don't look as bad as you think you do. No. Well, and and it feels so good. Doesn't it feel so good to embrace yourself and be like, yeah, this is who I am, mm-hmm. and there's nothing like that feeling. I feel like that's been a lifelong journey for me, but especially in the last, I don't know, three years to really just say, yeah, these are my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are my strengths. How am I going to play to my strengths? And like, how am I going to make this all work for me instead of trying so hard to be something else? Right. Thank you for sharing that. First of all, that's really powerful. That are things I need to hear today. What are some ways that you would say we could do a better job just in general as a public of seeing other people? How would you like to be treated? And I don't mean that in a cliche way because I know, I know you're okay you're very successful. Right. You have this beautiful family. How could we do a better job just you know, in general? You know, the ironic thing is a physical limitation, you know, cerebral policy, someone walks funny or a wheelchair or someone has cancer who's bald. Like you can see it. And when you see it, people, you know, when you see someone who's struggling to do something, you want to help because you can see what they're struggling with. The, this, the irony of life is that so many things can't be seen. I wish we could see what depression looks like on someone or see what uh, stress looks like or fear or, you know, see what a broken heart looks like. We yeah. can see them because if you saw someone who had a broken heart, you would treat them a little differently. And it's just because we can't see it, we assume that their life must be okay. Everyone has struggles. There's no one that goes through, you know, no one's life is perfect. 
And if it is, they just need to wait a little while and it's not going to happen. But, you know, we, if we have the perspective of everyone is fighting a battle, then you start to see that, that they aren't really all happy and, you know, that there are struggles and that you can help them if you allow, if you want to see it, you'll see it. If that's your mission is to be conscientious and help people, then you're going to. But if all you can see is yourself, you, you're you not going to notice anyone else's struggles. And so then going back to your question is to see other people, you have to want to see them and you have to want to help them. Which means you have to get past yourself. You're the first obstacle you're getting in the way to helping other people. Yes, for sure. Thank you. I want to ask just one follow-up question because I think that's so wise. The things that keep me from seeing other people is because I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to jump in and help because I'm so uncomfortable with how that will make me look Mm -hmm. or what they want or what they don't want. And we should be sensitive to other people. But if there's someone that's struggling to open a door because of some physical limitation they have, to me, the Christ-like thing feels like to set aside my pride and not worry so much about how we all feel about it and just jump in and help. Would you say that's the same for any physical limitation to jump in and help? Into this one. It's tricky. <laughs> so that's like, an honest question. Are you question. talking like uh, meeting him for the first time, or are you talking about just like, like okay? So here's an example: if I were to meet you for the first time, and I'm not sure if if I need to be looking at you so you can read my lips mm-hmm. for you to hear me, which I also don't know the answer to that question. I guess. <laughs> Would you rather me just ask you straight up? Just acknowledge that, hey, I can tell you have hearing aids. Do you need me to do anything? Or is that annoying? No, that's that's on, honestly a great thing to do. Instead and of I just... I appreciate it. Like, instead of when just I'm avoiding... When I'm talking to someone for the first time, and it's like, hey, can you, am I ready to talk louder? And you say, no, no, I'm good. And that's it. Not a big deal. And we're over it. And, you know, a lot of it, like in, you know, social settings, when there's a lot of background noise, at least for me with hearing impairedness, my hearing is pick up all the noises. Right. So I don't... I can't hear. Yeah. And so... Being able to be like, oh no, can you hear me? Or let me say that again, making sure double check, make sure it's okay. Well, and and I like that because I feel like in my head, there's no reason we shouldn't be asking those questions because inherently by not asking the question, it's to me that almost seems like we're saying there's something wrong with it. So for me to feel like I can't ask him about his hearing aids, well, why not? He can ask me where I got my shirt. I mean, it's we're putting all this emotional baggage into something that doesn't need to be emotionally loaded. We all have, you can't see my struggles. Right. That's the difference, right. right? I think it's also important to realize that whatever you see, so if someone's in a wheelchair, they're not defined by the wheelchair or the, the hearing aids, whatever it is that they have, they're not defined by that. So you can look past it um, and you know treat them like a normal person, then you know that's great. Or even compliment, I mean, what you would do for anyone who's having a rough time Yes. When you see someone who's struggling to open the door, you can open the door for them, but then you can also put your hand on their shoulder and say, you are so strong. I am so, like, you could just be sitting at home, but you're out here, you're trying to make it work, and you're you're doing what you need to do, and I'm, I'm proud of you, and that's really cool, and you're inspiring to me. Like, that, to a person who's struggling, is really empowering. And anyone who hears that, that you are inspiring to me, Absolutely. I need to hear that. We all need to hear Mm -hmm. that. And I think once you know what it feels like to struggle in any way, we really don't need to have these limits on our relationships. We can just reach out because, hey, I don't know what it's like to have hearing loss, but I know what it's like to feel alone in a crowd and feel not like other people and feel Mm -hmm. like I don't fit in. And so in that way, 
we should be able to connect. And there, I think it's just self-doubt and uncomfortableness that we put in the way of it that keeps us from connecting, which is really unfortunate. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast mm-hmm. and talking about this because uh, you just have such cool perspective because our challenges, like you said, they don't define us. They do give us perspective of how to treat each other and what works and what doesn't. You know, just kind of a concluding thought is I think about the hearing loss growing up as a kid and how much I hated them. I didn't have friends and now they kind of ruined the first 12 years of my life, so to speak. Or at least that's how I perceive them as doing that. I don't know if they really did. But it wasn't until I was older that I realized what a blessing they were and that they weren't all negative. So, for example, it, once I was an adult, someone said something about, yeah, in high school, you know, it was constant swearing every time you'd walk down the hall. And I, I had to think about it. Like, do I remember that? And honestly, it's like, no, I never could hear it because of the how the sounds were all meshed in my Hearing it, I couldn't hear the swearing. Even when I watch movies, it's like they've, in a sense, protected me from you know language or seeing things because I didn't hear it. Um, and so, in a way, they've been a blessing and a shield. I consider them almost like a protection for me because I have them. And so, it's not all negative because I've embraced it and just kind of accepted it. It also has its perks as well. That's really powerful because in my own challenges. Sorry, not to keep bringing it back to me, but I relate to that so much that challenges can be a protection because for me, for example, because of my internal struggles I've dealt with, there are just movies that I can't watch because they're very triggering. There are just subjects that I don't read about, um, and that's a choice I make. But in that way, I feel like I live a much higher elevated life because of those intentional choices I make. And even your family, because they know you struggle, they may not talk about certain things or they may not ask certain things of you, and so... You may be, you know, protected from doing things that maybe aren't good for you. Right. Because people know about it. Yeah. So. Maybe you're protected from hearing, like, annoying comments from people sometimes, there right? There <laughs> there are I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Well, thanks again for being on the podcast. We appreciate it a lot. Thank you. With permission, I wanted to share another story I learned about Lee after recording this episode that his wife told me on a run. So I asked his permission to share it, and he okayed that. As a kid, Lee was sometimes made fun of, as he talked about earlier. Well, there was a particular kid in his church group who seemed to target Lee specifically. He would pound his chest and make noises, impersonating a mentally retarded person. And he called Lee handicapped. Seeing that both the boys were in the same church group, though, there wasn't a lot that Lee could do to avoid this kid. So he often complained to his mom about the kid, and she did her best to help. But she ultimately told Lee that he had a pretty good life despite this kid and his teasing, and that Lee was just going to have to tough it out. He had always been told to befriend other kids, and he was also told that he needed to be nice to the mean kid. The teasing lasted for a lot of years because they both went to the same schools. But Lee, he did something unusual that shocked me. He could see that this peer, this boy, was insecure, and that's why he was choosing to pick on Lee. What an intuitive kid, right? He could tell that this kid was insecure, and that's why he was taking it out on Lee. So Lee did his best to actually be his friend, despite the backlash and the teasing. It took years, but finally, the two actually became friends. And Lee was an instrumental part in helping this friend as an adult achieve some of his goals. To this day, the two men remain really good friends, albeit with a little teasing every now and then. That's another level of seeing someone that I often don't stumble across in these interviews. To have compassion and connect with someone who is presently hurting you, who's harming you, 
it stretches my brain and my heart and gives me, man, this place of peace that I want to work towards to achieve because I know I'm not there. Please remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it, leave a review. As always, subscribe. I'm feeling an itch to do another bonus storybook episode because it's been a while. So hint, hint, you might want to look out for something coming in the next week before our usual Friday episode. Next week's Friday episode is entitled My Worst Enemy with my dear friend who I'm not going to reveal who it is until next week because she's actually never really opened up about this publicly. And so she is going to talk about her most difficult battle she's fought against her worst enemy, which is herself. Like I said, she's never really been open about this, about her story until now, which she's going to do here on the podcast. And I feel honored that she would do it here. So next week's episode, My Worst Enemy. Until next time, my name is Julie Lee and I see you.